Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gaia.com, the on-demand streaming TV service that helps you achieve your highest potential at your convenience. To get your first month at only 99 cents, visit GAIA.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. My 7 Chakras, episode 217. Everyone wants to change the world, but almost no one wants to change themselves. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My Seven Chakras, and now... Your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, your friend, your host, and founder of My Seven Chakras, the show where we explore the secrets of the ancient world to provide you actionable steps to transform your life. So, if you have questions about life, then hold on because you are listening to the right show. But right before we move on, Action Tribe, I have a small gift for you. If you're listening to this episode, it means that you're on the lookout for information that will help you transform your life and find your life purpose. And especially if you're a regular listener, you've already taken a lot of action until now, but I want to make it a bit more easy for you. And that's why I've carefully put together a document containing 21 must-read spiritual books that you will need on your journey based on what is shared on our show. And offering that to you absolutely free, uh, you can't really miss this one. To download your copy, visit the link that I'm going to share, put down your best email address, and then wait for the download link to arrive in your inbox. It'll come like a PDF. The link you need is my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. That's my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. It's as simple as that. So download that document, read it, take action and really transform your life because I know you can do it. And with that, it's now time to bring you our featured special guest for today, Sergio Magania. So Sergio, are you ready to inspire? Of course. Thank you for the invitation. Also, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So a well-known Mexican healer, Magania, was surrounded by teachers of ancient Mexican spiritual and healing practices for most of his life. Although raised in a Catholic home, he was initiated into a 5,000-year-old Toltec lineage of Mesoamerica, which influenced the Mayan and Aztec cultures and was trained in the tall shamanic oral tradition, which has been handed down for 1,460 years. Sergio leads workshops around the world, empowering others to evolve and heal themselves through a new approach to an ancient tradition. He's the author of several books, including his latest Caves of Power, Ancient Energy Techniques for Healing, Rejuvenation and Manifestation. And we're actually going to touch on many of the different topics that he speaks about today. But uh, Sergio, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Uh, I'm very, very happy to explore all this wisdom in your in your wonderful show. Wonderful. So uh, again, before we actually dive deep into the interview portion of today's show, uh, we love to begin our show with an inspirational and an uplifting quote. Uh, so what is your quote that you have for us today and how do you apply that quote in your day-to-day life? Um, I love one quote. Uh, that says everyone wants to change the world, but almost uh, no one wants uh, want to change themselves. 
that is from Leon Tolstoy, this Russian writer. And actually, I love it because I think it summarizes uh, what I see in around that a lot of people is complaining of politics, of this, of that. But only a few people is, is making like a real, real effort to explore themselves, to change themselves. And I think that, that the collective change come, come really from individual changes. So how do I apply it in my life? Because uh, I try, I really, I really try hard through many disciplines and that to change myself in order to collaborate with the collective change. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing us that profound wisdom that uh, everyone wants to change the world, but no one really wants to change themselves. And especially in today's day and age, because of so much external influences like the internet or social media or maybe the news or politics and whatnot, we all want to make a change. We want to make the world a more positive place, but not all of it is within our control. And also because we want to change the world and because we cannot directly influence the world around us we might uh, get stressed worried uh, but the real power as you've sort of suggested is to start by beginning to change ourselves because there is an entire universe action tribe within yourself and once you change that universe you will be able to affect the universe around you so Really, really amazing quote. Uh, thanks for that, Sergio. And with that, let's dive into the first question, which I had for you, which is uh, what inspired you to write your amazing book, Caves of Power? Like I started uh, like a healer many, many years ago in, in Mexico City. Um, so I began combining things that I, I saw that worked since I was a child uh, with my nanny, to things that I learned with my teachers. And I really, uh, because uh, through the years, I saw like many things that people consider uh, impossible in, in healing or very difficult and that to happen. So really what, what I wanted is to share with the people uh, um, all these uh, many many years in the in the tradition, hoping like uh, like people to get the, those testimonials also in their life. Uh, so that was my motivation. Got it. And you mentioned that you began really combining things that you learned from different uh, places, from different people. You spoke about your nanny and your different teachers. And I know that you write about your your nanny as well in your book. So what was the influence that your nanny played in your during your childhood, uh, as you grew up, uh, a lot because I I am Mexican. I was I, but I was raised like in a in a kind of different way because that is very traditional Catholic. Had to study and to work, so I was really raised by by my nanny that she was the daughter of a healer of an indigenous community. By circumstances of life, she had to escape, but uh, at the end. Uh, uh, she finished working in my parents' house. So I saw, like, two very different realities. I saw one traditional mother, like I said, that every time that I, I felt bad or something like, like that, she took me to the doctor or gave me a pill. But I saw other one that when I, when I, felt, that I felt that I was ill or something like that, she would smudge you with, uh, with tobacco and, and then smoke and take the pain away 
or cleans if it was something like more severe she would uh, cleans you with the air and then would would read the uh, uh, would break that egg into water and then she would know exactly what you needed if you needed uh, to go to the doctor if the egg yolk broke but if not she would, she would exactly know which herbs treatment you would need so it was really really magic uh, sometimes I I am a little bit sorry that I didn't ask much more I learned many things things but but I could have asked a lot more but I think that mainly in, in my mind was created the idea that mm, the traditional medicine is not is the is not the only only way that there are many ways to uh, heal certain things and that of course uh, you could use the one that that works for you and so I grew up with that, and now I think I am I am trying to to do that, not like making traditional medicine not the only option for me and for my clients. Wonderful! I, I love that story. Uh, you mentioned that you were raised in a traditional Catholic home, and you were also at the same time raised by a nanny who was the daughter of a healer. And through a series of consequences, she ended up living at your at your home, and you you really were able to see two different approaches. To healing one is a traditional approach where you directly go to the doctor but then the other approach that your nanny used often which was things like using the egg technique that you spoke to us about and smudging using smoke and as you spoke about that i remember my grandmother on my mother's side as i was a kid um, she, she would use something similar where she would put some spices into a, a, a paper and sort of crumple that and put some and you know uh, revolve it around some smoke and do and and revolve that around me, uh, uh, closing her eyes and sort of pulling out the negativity. And at that, in those days, uh, I didn't really believe it, right? Because of what was told to me about traditional medicine, that that is the real way of healing. But as I look back on that day, it all sort sort of begins to make sense that yes, that was that truly did work, and that was another uh, way of healing. So so thanks a lot for sharing that. No, and I'm really happy that you also experienced it. And like I saw results in both, so for me in that time were were as valid uh, because I was really really young. I still didn't hear like things against that. I was like seven six, so and I and I saw that it was really effective. That it was it worked the same exactly as the pill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now diving deeper into your book, uh, which is called The Caves of Power. Uh, my question is, what exactly are, are these caves of power? For the ancient Mexicans, the cave was the name in which the the idea of yourself lives, the your instincts, your possibilities, your dreams. So it would be very very close to what nowadays we call the unconscious. So this place, for the ancient ones, the the real power lives there, and actually that's very similar to what nowadays science says, you know, that we are almost controlled by by, by this cave this, or this unconscious. So so there is a first like definition that the caves are inside. Then it was said that we had like seven, uh, that our inside communicate with the, with the outside with, through seven caves of portals that were named Totonalcayos that actually are very similar to the concept of chakras that that people nowadays have. So there were techniques, to actually like your 
like your show is named my seven chakras that were to activate the the total chaos or the chakras to to get access to the cave of power but then in a third and deeper um, conception caves of power was the training that was given to the to the warriors to the priests and to the rulers that, that uh, to activate all the power and a lot of this cave a lot of this training happened in caves so you were doing a work like like the mystics from from the ancient time and for example uh, many of these caves that the ancient mexicans were using were places with uh, um, caves of course with a small hole where the where the light entered and filtered so it was like many activities to begin like filtering that light inside of your darkness too that it was your unconscious to awake that to awake the power of lucid dreaming to heal yourself of the one that you were and many many things like to deal with your with your demons with your with your fears and that in the cave and what i'm really doing in in that book is trying to, to translate the the ancient knowledge uh, of of mexico for modern people because of course i know that uh, i sometimes i go to a cave and i do the training but many many times with uh, modern people is not going to live their life and go to caves and that but, but to make it accessible so that people can can live can live it and begin getting like the advantages of that training got it so like you mentioned the caves represent your instinct your unconscious and they really are a seat of power and there are seven caves or portals very similar to the concept of chakras uh, ancient indian tradition and like you mentioned the caves of power was given a training was given to warriors priests and rulers so it seems like back in the ancient days it was reserved for the elite or just exclusive to certain section of society and not to everyone right but obviously these days you're trying to democratize it and provide it to people around the world and also they don't they don't have to visit a cave yeah uh, of course they don't have to be mexicans for example and it was for the elite in the last last 500 years of uh, or at least 1000 years we don't know before probably before there were times that it was said between everyone but like i am not sure uh, i know that it was the training for the elite uh, in the last part of 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 the cultures that we consider toltecs as the kamishika got it got it so how did you get started with energy healing how did it all begin for you because you told us that uh, when you were young you, you initially came across this fascinating way of healing you know through your nanny through the smudging that you spoke to us about and that sort of planted that powerful idea of what is possible but then what happened how did you you know take more steps towards getting in the direction of energy healing then i became uh, a young man that was interested in many things like astrology uh, energy healing like that i never i never i never planned it to be professional or nothing like that but suddenly like i was uh, a little bit rebel and that my parents uh, uh, my mother especially was a little bit angry with me and and kicked me out of the house 
So suddenly I had to work. And then I say, what, what should I do? I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what to do. But like with the Nanya, with my first energy uh, teacher, Laura, I learned how to see energetic bodies and that and how to interpret them. So I went, I went to, to a talk about vitamins. And I don't know why the talk transformed into energetic healing. And uh, I, there was a lady there that I told her, uh, did you have a surgery or you have a problem around that certain area? And she told me, yes, how do you know? I said, because you see a lot of accumulation there, of energy there. Uh, and there were other two ladies that were their friends there that began asking. And me and me, and I told them in the problem, uh, in the area they had like the problems and what, what did, they, did it mean? And they were so surprised. I didn't know that one of those ladies was like the director of a behavioral center in Mexico City. And then she told me, can you fix that? And I said, yes, because I have seen, uh, even with the nanny and with, uh, and with my first teacher, Laura, how to, how to uh, repair and make the energy flow to be reestablished again. So I did it. Uh, she felt... Uh, the energy a lot and then she began uh, sending me a lot of clients and uh, like magical in in one month uh, I was I had plenty almost all day uh, with very good results and and that's how it started I I did actually I wasn't looking for that but I think it was like a kind of destiny then one of of the clients invited me to a radio show, actually very popular about astrology. And from there, uh, I began giving workshops about what I knew, and then a lot of new teachers came, and uh, and and the story kept on, it kept on, and until where I'm now, like uh, writing books and many things. That's so awesome. I mean, it's really inspiring to note that you had gone on that day to speak about something but eventually that turned into something else and the crowd in the crowd was someone that was very influential who noted you and saw that you have these gifts and sort of asked you to serve at a higher level and then things took on from there uh, but here's a question that many of my listeners have because you know disease and illness manifests in our life in so many ways right and sometimes it's physical emotional maybe mental as well but according to you what is the origin of disease or illness how what does it come into our lives i think okay i think there are many 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 things that combined an ancestral pattern that that could be uh, jumping some generations or, or or manifesting in many generations in your family. I think oh, that is one of the main factors. Then, of course, your life. Then uh, in your life, it will manifest first. You dream the problem. Then uh, that problem uh, will, begin, be, will become like an emotion. And then finally, it will land in your physical. But I think you need like the, those four things that would be an ancestral pattern, a dream, an emotion, and then it will it will land into your physical. That's really interesting because although I sort of have read and learned about 
it being the emotion which then manifests into a physical problem and didn't really uh, consider the aspect of it might being an ancestral problem which like you said appears might appear in the dream which creates an emotion so that's so that's really fascinating and i know that dreams play a significant role in toltec spirituality is that correct yes so so what exactly are dreams and what is their purpose i know that there are many explanations uh, uh, the ones from 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 psychology is like a dream is a way to to how can i say it to process that's information of the day of, of the day and that for the ancient Toltecs uh, actually Teotihuacans that is much before the Toltecs there was this powerful phrase that the one that doesn't explore or or work with his dream is like a living dead because has no control of his or her waking state so actually for the ancient ones the, the dream could you could you please repeat that uh, quote please uh, that's a wonderful quote and I'm, i just want to make sure that our listeners get it clearly <laughs> the one that doesn't remember his or her dreams uh, is like a living dead because has no control of his of his or her waking state so uh, um, it was like like said that the dreams were Uh, for example, there are 13 heavens for the ancient tradition, like a, like 13 dimensions that take to the first energy uh, to become matter. So uh, the dreams were happening in the seventh heaven. So it were like halfway between matter and uh, the, the first energy, if we want to call it God. So actually, uh, that's why it was a lot easier to make change through your dreams and the, th the things that you're going to manifest, must manifest in a dream uh, before, even if you don't remember. So uh, that's why they were so important and were like one of the main ways of, uh, that was taught about changing your reality. Got it. So you mentioned that the dreams are sort of halfway between matter and energy, like you mentioned the seventh heaven. Uh, so during our dream, and I'm not sure if this makes sense, but where do we go in our dream? Is it just in our mind or are we really traveling somewhere within the astral dimension or something like that? No, for us, we're going actually to, to this place called the seventh heaven where the that is like the where the spirit of the moon rules because it's she's like the ruler of the night and our mind is like the one that is like the antenna that is receiving that information got it got it so thanks a lot for sharing that and now a while back uh, you spoke about psychic surgeries right uh, being able to do that so what exactly is psychic surgery I'm really curious about that psychic surgery is a it's like an ancient technique that uh, was done uh, of course It was done in clay, on clay, that to to really take out from from someone uh, the damage of the organ or the place, and to transfer it to the clay, and then actually like like uh, working the clay, like finishing with the problem and putting certain uh, stones like or obsidian or jade to or to destroy the problem or to regenerate that and so I began uh, adapting like the ancient technique in order to be more, 
much more possible to be done nowadays. Uh, it consists in opening uh, a small hole, not in the body, but in the in the energy, and then and then begin pulling out with the clay until the temperature changes. Then, when when the temperature changes, uh, if it, if it was warm to cool or or in the other way, then you cut the cord between the energy of the clay and of the organ, so that they transfer one transfer one. To the other and then at the end you finish with a like with a obsidian knife uh, with a problem and then you you command to regenerate or to or to destroy completely the problem and then you bury it to ask mother earth to continue with the with the healing got it got it and i know that you write about this in your book as well and we'll have the link for your book so that people can learn more about this uh, fascinating technique but uh, you know just out of curiosity what are some of the challenges or problems that can be overcome using uh, psychic surgery uh, uh, of course uh, i think there is no medicine in the world that works for the hundred percent of people uh, but uh, we try with everything, so <laughs> we never say no because you don't know if it's going to to be a success or not. But it it has been very successful in in kidneys failure, in many viruses, in tumors, in depression because you can also make like these surgeries for 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 emotions, in problems in the bones, in the knees. Uh, in it's like uh, infinite. Uh, like like the things that that we uh, that, that I say we because it's not only a technique that I do. Um, thousands of my students have had great results doing that. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, you know, let's say one of our listeners or all of our listeners <laughs> are psychic surgeons. What is a person looking for uh, when you're doing psychic surgery? Maybe at the initial stage. Well, you know, how do you know? when a person needs psychic surgery in the first place? No, actually, if you're a healer, uh, for example, I will choose like the worst physical issue that you have to treat to give like, uh, to make a, a psychic surgery. If it's only emotional or something like that, I wouldn't do a psychic surgery. So, uh, and for example, even like that, I have had, uh, because nowadays, like I travel, uh, a lot around the world. I am not. Uh, I'm not doing like clients, but many times, many times in the workshops, I say, "Who really needs it?" And the first one that that raises the, uh, their hand, uh, I said, "Okay, you." And then they come and they say, "Okay, this is my problem," or "This is my problem," like like that. And I do it. And I think two or two. Two of three are successful. Then when I see them again, they say, okay, disappear. So even without treatment with the rest of the therapy, and that is a great, uh, I think, uh, average of success. Got it. So you sort of suggested that this is a technique or a skill that someone can learn, right? Because you mentioned that many of your students can actually do this psychic surgery. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, when I decided not more to do clients on that, um, I thought that the best thing was to teach people how to do things and how to how to take the responsibility of themselves 
and how to begin helping because actually I am only one uh, and a very busy one. So uh, for the others to begin also treating their family and that I'm really happy because many, many people have done amazing things. And sometimes a lot of people have proved, uh, have gone further of my imagination, have proved, uh, to, uh, have, have like t uh, told me I did this and that and that, that is, uh, beyond what I would have uh, would have thought that was possible. So I'm really grateful for that. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, you also mentioned you spoke about being able to perceive energy bodies, right? So uh, I'm guessing that you're able to see auras around people? Yes, not always. But uh, when you decide, there's, there's certain techniques in which you move, uh, you, make, you move your eyes in a... In a yeah. specific way that will that will show you auras or imprints of the ancestors of the or or the life that are creating a problem or where the energy is accumulated uh, and like that. So are very very concrete uh, techniques of ice movement to see this. Wonderful. Now you've also written about the concept of peripheral vision, right? So could you talk to us about what role that plays in the ability of us being able to see auras in the first place? A lot. Peripheral vision, if you see the Egyptian okay. hieroglyphics and also the Mayan and Aztec codexes, most of the drawings, if we can call it like that, are, in, are like in profiles. I think they are uh, talking about the peripheral vision and there are certain angles. If you do a lot of peripheral vision, things disappear. If you uh, close a little bit the angle you are able to see auras if you close more the angle uh, and put the attention in one or the other brain um, it begins like the shape shifting of the of the um, of, of the face and, and of the body that shows you ancestors and many things so and there are many others no but those are like like the basic ones uh, uh, and allow you to see uh, much more because when we are seeing solid objects, yes. we create we create an special angle that is like closing, uh, like a triangle. Our our the angle of our eyes to see the solid object. If you want to begin seeing energetic objects, you must uh, get that out of the focus, and then you will start seeing. Beautiful. I think that's that's something really really well put. In fact, uh, I'm not able to see the aura fully but what i am able to see is especially in a comparatively dark room i'm able to see some white apparition or white formations uh, between my fingers but just very light uh, when i when i you know activate my peripheral vision vision based on what you've <laughs> shared in your book but that's uh, pretty pretty inspiring and i look forward to learning more in terms of uh, how do you how do you take your uh, perception to the new to the next level yeah and actually what you're saying in the dark place those uh, well, some of those things were the ones that ah, were done okay. in a cave to learn how, that's why that's why you went i to found caves. a cave in my room because actually <laughs> in the yeah 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 of course that, that those were the type of things that i did like try to modernize that and to and to say that it's also could be done like in in dark rooms and uh and these kind of things, uh, but of course that was part of the of the 
of the training in a cave, no? like to to begin seeing the energetic world. That's so amazing. Now, uh, Sergio, many of our listeners, I mean, some of them are regular listeners, so they know a lot uh, based on what we've shared about the aura and the energetic body, but some have recently maybe searched for aura or chakra uh, on the podcast app and have found our show. So could you provide us an overview of the subtle body, of the energetic body? Uh, okay, for us, the, for us, that is the tradition. Uh, the energetic body is is created by five bodies. The first one is, is the physical body, of course, that is part of it. But there are, like other four, uh, the energy surrounding the, the head that uh, that we have seen it, many people see it, or that, that in paintings is, is uh, like the halo around the head is called... Uh, um, Tonal, tonal is it would be like your mind, and of course in a cave or in a dark place, if you know how to how to see, like the uh, the energy of this of this body, you will see some something like the face disappearing, and you will see something like the sun. So that's why tonal comes from tonatiu, that in Nahuatl, the ancient language from Toltecs and Aztecs, is the sun. Then of course is the Nahual. That is the energetic body that you use for dreaming that is surrounding your navel. The third one is uh, anchored to the liver but goes to the legs. That is called the hiyotl, that is a life force. And actually the, uh, the fourth one that is anchored to your, to your heart and that is uh, uh, surrounding the heart. Uh, uh, it's like your soul. And like the, all of them are spinning, would be like uh, what uh, nowadays is no, known like aura or energetic body. Wonderful. So you spoke about the area around the head, the tonal, the awal, which is the energetic body that we use for dreaming around the navel, the hiatal, uh, life force, which is the third one. And the fourth one is yeah. uh, basically connected to the heart, around the heart. Uh, and it's like our soul. Is that correct? Yes. Perfect. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, another fascinating topic that uh, many of our listeners want to learn more is the concept of manifestation. And I know that manifestation plays a, a significant role uh, in Toltec wisdom. So what are your thoughts on manifestation and, and how does it really work? Uh, manifestation would be exactly to be able, uh, we, we, we said that, we're, that there were like 13 heavens. So 13 steps uh, in, that that took like from the first energy or centeotl to manifest in the 14th. There are 13 heavens and the 14th is our reality. So actually I think that manifestation is the ability to make like the inception of, of uh, an idea uh, in, the, in, the, in the 13th heaven and to make it go down, 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 down through the heavens, through all the heavens, so in order to manifest. That's wonderful. And the fact that you spoke about Inception, I'm not sure. Have you seen that movie, Inception? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in Inception, uh, sometimes, and in reality as well, I mean, in, in our day-to-day lives, uh, when we're sleeping, sometimes we are in a dream and we wake up and we find ourselves still in a dream and wake up and we're still in a dream. What, what's happening there? Uh, okay. Uh there are certain uh, could be happening many many things right <laughs> so because there are some things that are called false awakening that you see yeah that, that you thought that you wake up and 
that sometimes a small detail uh, tells you that you are still in the dream. So that's one thing. Other thing is that sometimes you enter exactly in the, this world that we call insoniación, dreaming while awake, that uh, you didn't completely left the place that I told you where dreams happen, so you still, with the with your eyes open, can see the uh, images from the dream, and that second option, and and but it it will last like two or uh, or three or five seconds or barely for some people it lasts more, so I think those are like the two uh, most probable things in which. In, uh, in which you wake up and you think you are in a dream. Okay, there is a third one that is dream paralysis, that sometimes you open your eyes but you cannot move and it can last a lot of time. That means that the areas of the brain that command movement haven't been activated and actually you are dreaming but you think that you are awake. So there are many, many, many things that could be happening. Wonderful. Thanks a lot uh, for sharing that. Uh, and all this information and the stories that you've shared so far, uh, You've written that using the knowledge that you impart, one can actively participate in the evolution of human and planetary consciousness. So, uh, how would you describe, or how would you describe an evolved human? Okay. Uh, of course, like what I said, I believe that uh, collective uh, change comes from uh, individual changes. Of course. I wouldn't dare to come to say someone is evolved and the other is not because potentially everyone is evolved. So I think that there is people that is trying to change themselves, but I wouldn't call them evolved. I wouldn't call warriors. So uh, I would describe someone that is trying to, because it's a challenge to see, to see yourself to begin working in yourself, to be trying. Sometimes many people that is in this path, uh, path, they say sometimes like a joke, it's much easier not to know anything and to live like a, a normal life. But at the, about five, but three minutes after everyone laughs and says, no, it's not easier. And I wouldn't like to go back. So I don't think anyone is more evolved than the others, but there is certain people that is a warrior that is, is, is trying to see themselves and is trying to do uh, what they consider a happier life with themselves. So that would be like my archetype. So I would like to, to use like the word a warrior, not someone more evolved. Wonderful. So there you go, Action Tribe. The goal is to keep trying no matter how hard your challenges seem to be and to really embody the archetype of a warrior. Love that. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, based on what you've shared so far with us today, based on some of the ideas that you've shared, what is that one action step you'd like to recommend for our listeners? I think, okay. I think the first thing that I would start recommending them is to, to begin thinking about their dreams, to begin really being aware and not thinking, oh, it was only a dream. That's why in all the languages of the world it's written the girl of my dreams, the uh, the house of my dreams, my worst nightmare. It means that first you dream it and then you live it. So uh, to begin uh, 
trying to to look out for lucid dreaming for dream recall like that and for techniques for example to begin manifesting their life through their dreams because honestly i know that it's four times more powerful and that you can do amazing things by working in your own dreams wonderful action drive to access the show notes for today's episode go to this link which is my seven chakras.com forward slash 217 that's my seven chakras.com forward slash 217 and before moving on a word from our sponsor gaia.com Explore the vast traditions of yoga with the Gaia original series Yogic Paths. Filmed across India, the 13-episode series captures the beauty of mystical Indian landscapes and never-before-seen ashrams while taking the viewer on a journey through the many traditions of yoga. While the practice of physical postures called asanas is most well-known in the West, understanding the full scope of this rich and varied tradition gives meaning and power to the yoga that we know today. Action tribe since you're listening to this show it's clear that you are interested in topics such as chakras yoga and self realization and you know exactly where to go for audio content and interviews and i sure hope you feel this way about our show my seven chakras but where do you go if you want a streaming tv video service with the same values and similar content the answer is gaia.com to start watching this show the yogic paths as well as get your first month at gaia for just 99 cents visit gaia.com/my7chakras that's g a i a.com/my s e v e n c h a k r a s if you can find a path with no obstacles it it probably doesn't lead anywhere this is an amazing quote by frank clark action tribe a path with no obstacles probably doesn't lead anywhere so the present of a challenge in your life right now whether it's financial health issues relationship issues or a spiritual challenge whatever it might be it is there in your life because the path that you are on leads to a very special place you have been entrusted with this challenge because you have the capacity and the talents to deal with it and as we're learning you are a warrior so when you're feeling down and overwhelmed and when you feel like there is no progress just hang in there because your path leads to a very promising destination so sergio talk to us about a phase in your life during which you went through a major life challenge how did you get into that situation and then what did you do to overcome it how did you handle that of course uh what you say is very very true because sometimes uh when you teach people like that they think that your life is perfect and and it's not uh it's always evolving sometimes you master certain things in your life but then new challenges come uh and that's the way i think the first thing to is to accept that that you will keep keep evolving and that you will have new new challenges uh and actually of the main things that i learned from the mexican tradition is one that is called the obsidian mirror that is like a black mirror uh, of drawn of obsidian in which you begin seeing the idea that you have of yourself uh, especially with your challenges your history uh the part of you that is self destructive the part of you that makes you fall again and again in the same patterns and that and you work with that and then uh, by moving the eyes and disappearing your image your mind stops projecting and then pulling out that energy from your body 
And uh, actually, I think that's my best tool. Every time that I feel that I have these fears, that I have that, I go back to the mirror, and I and I go very very often, because sometimes you lose your your center. Because, for example, I travel so much. Sometimes you feel lonely, uh, uh, and here and there. And uh, it's just it's just finding your favorite spiritual practice that lands you on. Uh, that's what I do. Wonderful. So, based on what you shared in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners? And the one that I said, the one that doesn't remember her work with his dreams is like a living death because has no control of his waking or her waking state. If that one really, really uh, sounds deep for one person, that person will begin looking inside of her or, or him. So thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, you, you shared, I think, something that's on everyone's mind is that just because someone is, you know, has written many books, travels around the world, inspiring people, does not mean that that person does not have challenge in his or her life as well. Uh, and the fact that you do have this technique that you go to uh, time and oft, which is the obsidian mirror, that really helps you stop projecting the fears, the worries or negativities that you might have so that you can clear them and proceed in your life. Uh, and I think it's so, so true that very often our mind is projecting that limitation or that worry or that low self-worth onto a screen in front of us. <laughs> and uh, if you're able to notice that, first of all, and if you're able to take action to towards, uh, you know, stopping that, we can then replace that with more empowering uh, beliefs and, and thoughts. Um, so thanks a lot for sharing that uh, perspective, Sergio. It's really, really inspiring. Welcome, welcome. Dan. For me, it's, it's a real pleasure to be able to share a little bit of my experiences and, and, tr and try to inspire someone to, to make their own change. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure our listeners are right now taking notes uh, if they're not driving because uh, a lot of our listeners listen to this episode on their commute to or from work. And Action Drive, we're about 75% through our session for today. But just for a few moments, let's take a pause here and immerse ourselves in the fountain of knowledge and wisdom that uh, you've exposed yourself to today. So thank you for taking action. If uh, I want... To take a few seconds uh, right now to talk about the power of words. Uh, we sometimes take the words that we utter for granted, but if you really think about it, every word that you speak either brings you closer to love or fear. And it's not just the words you utter, but the words that are spoken to you. And it's clear that you're exposing yourself to the right words that are empowering you, because when you listen to a word that is resentful or hurtful or negative, you feel like your aura is shrinking. You just don't feel good. On the other hand, when you listen to a word, words that are empowering, inspiring, loving, full of gratitude, your aura expands and you feel great and you feel energetic. So make sure you are exposing yourself to the right conversations. And if you're in a group, then you're hanging out with the group that serves you. And if not, then take steps to avoid it because as we are learning today, words are so powerful. And as Don Miguel Ruiz once said, the word is a force you cannot see, but you can see the manifestation of that force, the expression of the word, which is your own life. So Sergio, as on today, what is your life's calling? Uh, and I just wanted to add to, the, to what you said about the words, there is a very beautiful beautiful thing that in the tradition they say, uh, what do you speak, flowers or arrows? 
So many times when I am speaking, <laughs> I think, uh, uh, is this world a flower or this, is this world an arrow? And that has made me change a lot uh, the way that I think and that I, that I speak. Uh, what is my life calling? I think uh, in the beginning, of course, it was like, like to share all, the, all this information and that. Uh, I have traveled so much teaching and that. And I think now it's, it's like time to go back to that. I have never lost it, but to increase my personal training in order to, uh, to be able to share more. So because my teachers are still alive, they live in Mexico. So I want to go back to Mexico and to learn more to be able then to share it with, with the people. Got it. And as you look back at your life, uh, the memories that you've had or the experiences that you had, was there ever a defining moment that really changed your life? Yes. When, because I was doing like a radio show about, about energy and that. Uh, and one of my teachers of the Mexican tradition then heard the show and he said, this is the one, the one that is going to, to spread the message that of my lineage of what I had learned uh, in Mexico. And then he looked for me and then uh, he told me I didn't come to learn anything. I came to, to teach you and he began teaching me and he made me some prophecies like after the eclipse of July of 2010, the Mexica was is going to be to the uh, going to be in the world. You will be one of the first to share it, and uh, you will start by Italy. That that for example, now I am in Italy <laughs> doing this this show, and then you. Oh will, really? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then you will go to the UK, and exactly everything that he told me uh, became truth. So I think that is the 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 point that changed my life. That he discovered me through ra through radio, <laughs> and. That he, that he taught me. And he is the one, uh, I think, that is the most important person in my life. His name is Ugo, Ugo Nawi. And for the one that, that now I'm very keen to go back to Mexico that, uh, to, to learn more. Absolutely. And I think, really think that you never know who is listening to your radio show or who is reading to your blog post or who is reading something that you post on social media. And I think you shared this on some other podcast or maybe in your book. I don't recall, but I do recall you sharing this uh, and it sort of brought some uh, goosebumps <laughs> to me because he reached out to you. And then after a certain point, he said that I'm not here to learn, but I'm here to teach you because he has identified you as a person who is going to share that wisdom around the world. And the prediction was was really inspiring. So thanks a lot for sharing. And we've now ar arrived at the last round for today, which is called the Wisdom Round. Which uh, really comprises of four questions so that our listeners can really take some notes and take action. So Sergio, uh, what is the best advice the best piece of advice that someone has ever given you? Okay, the best advice. For example, my when I when I was uh, uh, trying to be an actor because I wanted to be an actor, and then my first energy healer, uh, energy teacher, she told me, Laura, uh, don't fight. Uh, you're not going to be an actor. <laughs> you're going to be a healer. Trust yourself, and you will. And you will become a really good one. In 
that moment it didn't I didn't want or I did I didn't feel that I was enough worth it. So I think that was our advice. Yeah. Got it. And name a personal habit that really keeps you going. A person that really keeps me going. A, a habit. A, a personal, personal habit. habit. Uh, actually to go to go back to the to the obsidian mirror to balance myself every time that I think that things are collapsing. Got it. And uh, what do you do during the first two hours of your day, Sergio? What is your morning routine like? Uh, every time that I wake up, I try, like we're cruising, every time that I, that we wake up, we cross through the through a state that nowadays science call like hypnopompic. So uh, that is half a dream, half, half awake. So I began visualizing and dreaming flowers and that it rains that is my flowering that is my enlightenment and the purification of my problems I do it like 10 minutes then I do the dream recall of everything that I dreamt the the, the other night then when I go to the shower uh, I cancel the dreams that, that of things that I don't want to to keep repeating and at the end uh, the last like like ritualistic thing that I do because in in the tradition sometimes when you enter you have an Nahuatl name, so my name is Selokoyotl, uh, that is the Coyote Yawar. So I I I say my name to the four directions, but that that all all that routine takes me like half an hour. The rest I do the normal things like drinking a coffee, having a breakfast, and and that. Got it. Uh... So finally, name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners to read. A book that really, really moved myself. Uh, there are many. There, there, there are many, many books that that have really like fascinated, fascinated me. But if I have to choose only, only one, uh, there, there was one that it was called the, the warrior of the star and it, it was uh, written by a guy that is called Jake Tekpatl that means like from the Nahuatl tradition uh, uh, like the, the three three knife <laughs> it's, it's his name and uh, it, it was um, a wonderful book of Nahualism and also some books of Carlos Castaneda really inspired me, and, and for that, for example, for my for my uh, friend Charlie Morley, uh, Dreams of Awakening, and that. So those are books that inspired me. Got it. Thanks for sharing, Action Tribe. I know how much you love our book recommendations, and I know that many of you grab these books as soon as you hear them shared on our show. That's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so that you can get to check out their service. And Audible, if you don't know, has over 180,000 titles to choose from for all your devices, iPhone, Android, or Kindle, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa. Yogananda and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. So you have a lot of books to download your free audiobook today. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, link is simple my7chakras.com forward slash free book to start listening to your book today. So Sergio, thank you so much for sharing 
uh, your ideas, your experiences, some of the stories that you shared, really, really enlightening. And I'm sure our listeners have taken down notes as well. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, uh, before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for today and tell us how we can find you online. I'm grateful for doing this show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, how to find me online, is it would be uh, Sergio Magana, Sergio Magana com or in Facebook in Sergio Magana uh, that, that would be got it we'll add this link up in the show notes uh, so that our listeners can click the link and learn more about you but thank you so much for coming on our show talking to us about the caves of power and taking us one step closer to a human revolution thank you thank you to you you were listening to my seven chakras Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.